the morning. Would you stand and sing with us?
God, we are grateful for the opportunity that we have to worship you this morning, to come before you, to lift up your name, to recognize that we are not enough. We ask that you meet us here, wherever we're at, whether it's the first time we've been in your presence, whether it's the first time we're realizing we're in your presence, or it's the thousandth time. We thank you for meeting us where we are at. We are open to, to hearing everything that you have for us this morning. Have our, our hearts softened as we hear your message from your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, I apologize um, that you're seeing me this morning and not a, a tandem duo of two weirdos who are bantering back and forth. The other weirdo is actually off in Arizona with my mom, who's not as much of a weirdo. Love you, mom. Um, they're off in Arizona enjoying the Grand Canyon right now, and they've been sending up a million pictures of the experience that they're having in the middle of Arizona where there's snowdrifts at the Grand Canyon. So very, very cool, uh, very weird. I would have never guessed in a million years that if, at the Grand Canyon. I, knew, I know that Arizona gets snow, but I didn't know it was happening at the canyon. So pretty unique experience, uh, but sorry, you get the B team today. Uh, so my name is Brian, and I am the youth pastor here at Southfield. And today, we've mixed up the order on you. You're not used to walking in and singing, and then uh, I'm not starting with announcements today. So for, for those of you who are routine-based people, I'm sorry, I'm making you uncomfortable today, and that's part of the point. <laughs> um, this morning, I want to start with a little story, a little story of my personal experience. Back in the year 2007, uh, I was starting my senior year of high school, and in 2007, the world changed, and it changed in some incredibly challenging ways. And I'm not talking about anything that you see on the screen behind me. I'm not talking about the last Harry Potter book being published. I'm not talking about the Tim Donahue scandal or even Transformers or even our, our dream of moving to Shanahan from Joliet as a church. No, I think there are two far more significant things that happened 
in the year 2007. The first one happened on January 9th of that year. Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone to the world. At an at a Apple conference, he brought this little thing out and said, you know that iPod that we've had? Yeah, we turned it into a phone. And by June, they were being sold all over. It started the smartphone revolution, 2007. I feel so old when I say that. But uh, now we're on iPhone 26, and things are going well. But something coincided with that in 2007 that was not as positive. But it did tie together. On October 14th, a show premiered that has had a cultural influence on us that uh, is... I hesitate to call it nefarious, but it's, it's challenging. Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Keeping Up with the Kardashians started in October of 2007. And the reason I bring that up is because I remember thinking, who are these people? What are they famous for? Why in the world are people paying attention to this Kardashian family? Who cares, right? And I remember having conversations with my friends, thinking like, are, are we stupid enough as humanity to actually follow these people? Because the, the Kardashians and the iPhone coming out at the same time, you know, Twitter started in 2006, Instagram in 2010, so right in this window, I would argue that the Kardashians were the original American influencers. We're going to be talking about influencers today, and I, I wanted to know, like, what, was it actually us that drove this influence? Did we give the Kardashians their influence? Are we dumb enough as a society to follow and give them our attention? Well, the answer is a resounding yes. Each member of the Kardashian family is, has an independent net worth of at least $45 million, except for some guy named Rob. He only had $10 million. But everybody in that family, every individual has their own net worth of $45 plus million. The family in total not including Bruce Jenner, is $2.9 billion. One family, $2.9 billion. And for what? For what? Because we've given them our attention. So uh, I do want to work into this idea of an influencer. And I had to look it up. Because I know if I had to give a definition, I would be throwing my own personal opinion in here um, about influencers. So instead, we're going to stick to the book. Here's what the dictionary says. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. It's also someone with a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages. And the size of that following depends on the size and scope of his or her topic or niche. In other words, an if you have more followers, you're going to have more fame, more fortune, and more influence. Like it or not, due to all of their followers, the Kardashians have had a major impact on our country. Their influence is mostly through media. Their TV show, social media, they're everywhere. So all these social platforms. While I'm personally both kind of annoyed and disappointed that they've had such an impact, it made me think, what opportunities do I have to impact people? What platforms do I have that I can share my influence? Fortunately for me, I have the, the honor of speaking before you today on this very stage. So this stage is a place of impact. Good or bad, when someone's on a platform, other people take notice. But then I started thinking, I don't, I don't really need a stage, though. 
Everything that I do is on display for other people, no matter where I am or what I'm doing. You too have platforms. People are watching what you do. And you might say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm an introvert. I try and stay out of the spotlight. I don't want anybody paying attention to me. So I just stay quiet as a mouse and I, I like, just coast through life without anybody actually being impacted by me because if I do, then I, I don't want to be blamed for anything. It's 2023. Lawyers are everywhere. I don't want to get sued. I don't, I, like, I'm just staying out of the spotlight. And while that may be true, you might try and avoid having an impact. You still have an influence. The example that you set for your family is your platform. The way you treat others in front of your friends is your platform. Who you are out on the basketball court or the soccer field or sitting in the stands watching is your platform. Your work ethic while you're at your job is your platform. You see, everyone has a platform in some way or another. Everyone has some sort of influence in their lives. The question becomes, how do you use your platform? Do you use it to make yourself look good? Do you use it to make others feel small or somehow less than? Do you not even worry about the influence and the impact that you could have on the people around you? I would suggest that all of us, if we have a relationship with God, have one platform in common with each other. As Christians, we have a responsibility to show God to others in our lives. We have a responsibility to put God on display. Let's check out this passage in Matthew chapter 5 to dig a little deeper. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. When you hear the word influence, what comes to mind? How would you define that word? I, I defined influencer for you, but what would you define influence as? Well, if we go back to the book, and by the book I mean the online book this time, dictionary.com. Dictionary.com says influence is the capacity of a person to be a compelling force. The process of impacting the actions or behavior of another. I really love this definition. I truly do. The process means that it doesn't happen, that influence doesn't usually happen in a one-time encounter. It talks about um, over time. Of impacting means that there's a change happening as a result of the action being taken. And then the actions and behaviors of another says that someone else's experience changes as a result of what we do, what we say, how we act, how we behave. In its simplest form, influence is making an impact. When Jesus describes having influence or making an impact, he doesn't use simple words. In the passage we just looked at, he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Consider those two things for a minute. Salt and light. When you do, when you do think about those two things, they impact just about every single thing that they come into contact with. What are some things that salt does? Well, first off, they make everything taste, it makes everything taste better. Salt is the best Polish spice. If you, you, you can have an entire spice rack full of everything, and you just chuck a bunch of salt in there, it's going to make it taste better than any concoction that you can come up with. But it can keep wicker furniture looking new. 
It can polish brass and copper. It can restore a sponge. It can clean your fish tank. It can cure meats, and it can clean artificial flowers. There are over 14,000 different ways, and that's not a made-up number, 14,000 different ways of, uh, that salt is used in the making of products that we use day-to-day. Sometimes it's in plastic, in paper, polyester, rubber, fertilizers, household bleach, soap, detergent, and dyes. Everyone, even if you try and avoid salt, is impacted by salt in- directly or indirectly. And I can tell you that I am directly impacted every time I make a meal. What about light? What about light? What does light do? Well, very simply, light enables us to see. Without light, we would be blind. It's a source of energy. Plants rely on it. It gives us color, uh, maintains temperature. It identifies stains with black light, and then it can clean. It's the sterilization of a UV light. These two very simple, ordinary things, salt and light, can impact everything that we do throughout the day. What Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5 is that we are to make that kind of impact. We are to influence the world and live for him as best we can. That impact is to be one of preservation for eternity, not just short-term impact, not just the the end-of-the-month goal or the, the quarterly goal or the yearly goal. No, this impact is an eternal one that will last forever. If we're given the instruction to be influential, then we need to dig a little deeper. So let's break down influence into three main points. First, influence can be connected to authority. It usually births authority in your life. Influence doesn't directly mean authority, as we've already looked at, but in the same circle of influence, pun intended, comes this thing called authority. Influence doesn't make you the leader or the boss, but it does give you leadership qualities and abilities that you can work on. Jesus' influence brought about his authority. Let's jump forward to Matthew chapter 7. It says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Why is this authority so important when it comes to influence? Because Jesus preached with it. He was able to call men from their regular occupations and make them his disciples. He made them follow him. These guys made life-altering decisions based on Jesus' influence and his teaching. Who else could interrupt fishermen at their work and convince them to drop their nets and follow him? You can influence anyone. You can influence anybody, no matter who they are, and Jesus proved that. Anyone can be influenced. No one is out of reach, especially in 2023, when we have access to people all the way around the world at the touch of a screen. Influence can move in the heart of even the hardest people. Even those who claim they don't need Jesus or they don't need to be in this community that we call church. In a moment, we're going to read a passage of scripture where Jesus calls his first disciples. He calls two brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. The fact that we read in this passage we're about to that Zebedee had hired servants suggests that his fishing business was actually pretty solid. He had enough money to hire not just his sons, but also people from the street. That means that he likely was not poor. Things are going well. And yet James and John left this lifestyle to drop everything and follow Jesus. Although you can influence anyone through the power of the Spirit, we have to be careful. Because just like you can influence anybody, anyone can influence you. Never assume 
that just because you are a believer, just because you are a Christian, or just because you're searching for faith, doesn't mean that Satan can't use people to influence you. They can. The number one way that we can be influenced is by the people that we hang out with. I've told my students for a very long time, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That could be your parents, that could be your siblings, that could be the people on your Netflix shows, that could be the people on your Instagram feed, the people that you constantly Snapchat and you have these thousand day streaks or whatever's going on with that stuff. The people that you send be-reels to, even though none of these be-reels are actually real. Um, and I know that there are disputes. People are like, oh, five? I don't really spend time with five people. Trust me, if we actually broke it down, that impact is even more than five people. But let's stick to five. You are the average of those five closest people. So during your life, you're going to do things, you're going to participate in activities and go places based on the people that you're with. When I moved to uh, Manuka in December of 2003, I was really, I'll be honest, I was pretty nervous. It's the middle of my eighth grade year, and I had no idea what a Manuka was or what a Shanahan was. I was coming from Joliet. And uh, I had gone to school with the same kids from second grade on through the middle of eighth. So I was very comfortable there. And it's a smaller school. Eisenhower Elementary and Eisenhower Academy were both very small schools. We had less than 60 kids. So having that same sphere of influence for seven years, eight years, was, uh, was influential. It, like, it made an impact on me. And I knew that I was leaving my friends to go somewhere where I was going to be in the middle of these Really cool cornfields. When I got here, though, when I got here, I met two people that changed my life forever. Their names are Brian and Matt. And Brian and Matt both, um, they, they influenced everything that I did, and we influenced each other in what, what we did as a, as a friend group. I have never fished more in my entire life than I did in high school with Brian and Matt. It didn't matter if it was raining. It didn't matter if it was sunny. If the poles were in the back of the truck or in the back of the car, we were going fishing, and we were going in the ponds. When we got bored of the fishing because we weren't catching, uh, we'd go play wiffle ball. I've never played more wiffle ball than I did in my high school career, uh, spending, spending that time with Brian and Matt. Matt actually got me hooked into softball, and so that led to another sphere of influence. So Matt, by inviting me to play softball in Joliet, I ended up playing softball for several years. Same thing goes for, for our families. Brian actually had his, um, his first daughter first before me, and I was looking, I was just amazed by that. And so I kept putting the pressure on Riley. I'm like, Riley, hey, we had this plan that Brian and I, we were going to have kids grow up together and do things together because we always did everything together. So she eventually caved after three years. <laughs> Anybody can influence you, positively or negatively. And the Bible says this, Proverbs 13, uh, 20 confirms Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the comparison of fools will suffer harm. Let me give you a little line of thought, a line of thinking to, to consider. Your friends or your coworkers or your family will more than likely influence your decisions. Your decisions are more than likely going to impact your future. Therefore, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your boss, the people that you choose to allow influence into your life will likely determine your future. To that end, listen to 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Don't say, I can hang out with whoever. They can be doing all these things that maybe I don't approve of or God doesn't approve of. I'll be okay. 
No, the Bible tells us directly, bad influence can corrupt good behavior or good character. So the right kind of influence, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen out of the blue. It requires a force to make an impact, and that force is you. Jesus takes the initiative in making his disciples. They didn't seek him. He sought after them. In Mark chapter 1, it says this, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, as we talked about earlier, James and John, in a boat, repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. This is a perfect story of how influence, or of, of Jesus' influence and how it happened through him. I want to share four Greek words. Yes, I'm trying. I'm trying. I may mispronounce it, so I may get corrected, maybe even mid-service. I'll, I'll hear the, the buzz going in my, in my back pocket from my phone, my dad telling me, that's mispronounced. Um, but I, I, I wanted to give it a shot. And since Claudia, I'm not making her sweat today, um, I figured I'd, I'd give this a go. So in Mark 1.17, we see these four Greek words. First up, it says that Jesus called out to them. Called out to them. In Greek, this phrase is apon. Apon. I hope that's right. This word means to say or speak, to express with words. This means that Jesus initiated contact with them. So our key word or our key concept for this piece of the verse is contact. Influence starts with you making contact with someone else. In verse 17, it also says that Jesus, when he called out to them, he said, come. He gave them that instruction come. And this is the one I'm, I'm worried about, really worried about. The Greek word for this is dute, dute. I listened to it a thousand times on YouTube. Dute, okay? Not duty, not duty. We're not talking like dog poop or anything, okay? Dute. And this means to accept and follow the leadership or command or guidance of another. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, I'm worth following. I'm worth following. I'm worth listening to. I will change the world. This means that Jesus told these people, these men, who he was. He showed them something of value. So our key word here, then, is value. If you want to influence something, then that influence needs to be something of value. If they don't find value in it, they will dismiss it immediately. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. If you came to me and said, Brian, I need to explain to you the benefits of eating pickles. I want to start a pickle club, and I want you... Brian, to be my first member. We're going to eat fried pickles, dill pickles, bread and butter pickles, pickle chips, pickle sandwiches, pickle everything. And we are going to meet every week to share with the world the benefits of eating pickles. Now, for those of you who don't know, there's one thing on this world that I despise more than anything else. Well, okay, sin, then pickles. <laughs> Sinfulness is next to pickleness, okay? But I'm going to look at you if you come to me with that proposition like you're crazy. There's no way I'm joining that club. You can tell me all day long about the benefits of eating pickles, those little nasty green alien vegetables, and I'm going to find no value in it. So I'm going to dismiss it. Because I find no value in eating them, because I think they're gross, you will have no impact, no positive impact on me. If you want to influence someone, you have to make contact, and you have to bring value to his or her life. Later in verse 17, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. The Greek for follow me in this context is opiso. 
opiso. This word means a marker of one who is followed as a leader. So Jesus is basically saying what he brings up later in John 14, 6. Guys, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Follow after me. That means Jesus gave direction to their lives. So our key word is direction. You can't positively influence anyone if you don't know where you're going as well. Influence happens when you make contact, bring value, and give direction. Have you ever heard the phrase, the blind leading the blind? I'm sure you have, or I hope you have. But no one intentionally follows someone who is blind to life. If you look at someone and look at their life and look at their decisions, you're like, they don't know what they're doing. They are making some weird decisions. You're not going to follow after them. Yet, that's how some people want to influence others. They're blind, and yet they're shouting from the rooftops, come and follow me! And people do. People do, like they follow the Kardashians, or they follow all these people on TikTok or Instagram, people that they've never met, that they will never meet, and that have these really strange ideas about how the world is supposed to work. Lastly, in that passage, we read that Jesus said, I will show you. I will show you. The word show comes from our last Greek word, poieo. This word means to do, to perform, to practice, to make, and it indicates a long, slow, even laborious process. That means Jesus did more than just talk. He didn't just say, follow me. He said, let me back up what I'm saying. Follow me and I will show you. I will show you. Simply telling someone what to do or how to do it is not practicing influence. Consider demonstrators on a street corner who are shouting at people that they're going to hell with signs and bullhorns. Can they influence someone? Well, sure, absolutely. But are they going to be good at influencing a lot of people for Christ? No. When you just shout, repent or hell, you're not showing them any value as a person. You're not giving them, leading them any direction. You're just yelling, do this or else. That's not what Jesus did. So, we need to demonstrate. We need to actually teach, not just present, not just say, but actually do. That's how you influence people the right way for God. Here's our problem. We all influence people either in a good way or in a bad way. Have you ever seen someone try this experiment? where you take rubber bands, stick them around a watermelon, and you see how many rubber bands you can get before the thing actually explodes. Watch slow-mos of it later. It's really, really cool. Um, but I think it's a perfect example of what bad influence does in our lives. Over time, the influence sticks, and eventually an explosion happens. If you had one rubber band on your wrist right now, like I do, I've got this green rubber band, and you pop it once, yeah, someone else said, ow. Uh, that didn't hurt too bad. I'm going to have a little bit of redness, but ultimately that sting, that burn, whatever, it's going to go away. Now, if I put 100 rubber bands on my arm, and they're too tight, 100 rubber bands all up my arm, and I just left them, I left them for a day, for a week, for a month, eventually, sooner rather than later, if there's 100 of them, my hand is going to turn blue, it's going to lose all circulation, and if I'm medically speaking correctly, your hand will just fall off, okay? I mean, it, prob- it probably won't, but I can imagine, I can imagine, like, when they said that Civil War soldiers got gangrene and their feet fell off, like, that's, that's kind of what I'm picturing. It just one day just falls off. 
Okay? Again, not a doctor, sorry. But my, my challenge is that you don't allow the rubber bands in your life, the potential negative influences, to build up on your arm. Instead, you be the one that's impacting others for good, for the kingdom of God. That kind of influence leads to life rather than decay. One last thought. I want to ask you, are you an influencer or are you being influenced? Let me pose it a different way. Are you a fisherman or are you a fish? Jesus didn't invent the term fishers of men. That saying had already been on the social scene during the first century, during biblical times. And in that day, it was a common description used by philosophers or other teachers who captured the minds of men through teaching and through their influence. They would bait the hook with their teaching and influence, then catch disciples. At the end of his life, Jesus shows us how to be fishermen and have a Christ-like influence on the world around us. How? He served. He served. Especially if you want to influence your close friends, your close family, your coworkers. And sometimes these can be the hardest people to influence, right? They know you so well. They know all the mistakes that you've made, and they are not shy to point it out. When you start serving them, your amount of influence can change dramatically. Let's look what it says in John chapter 13. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he had loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I will tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Influential service happens when you serve no matter what. No matter what you know about the other person, if you continue to serve, that's where real influence can happen. We're going to break this down a little farther because I think knowledge is the key to influential, in, uh, I'm sorry, influential service. Knowledge will either motivate you to help someone or motivate you to step away. Truly influential service happens when you have the knowledge of that person and you serve them in some way regardless. The problem with knowing stuff is that it's great to be in the know. So we like collecting information and sometimes that information turns to gossip. But we have to look at this in a different way. We have to look at it um, like G.I. Joe did. G.I. Joe back in the 80s would have these PSAs at the end of the cartoon. And at the end of every cartoon, he taught a life lesson. That life lesson, knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. And if the 80s or G.I. Joe is too far removed for you, sorry, front row, uh, I know that you've probably seen, and I, I, I'm even risking this one, you've probably seen the NBC commercials, those PSAs that say, the more you know, dun, 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 right? <laughs> Most of the time, knowing things is great. It's great, but some of the time knowing things can hurt. It can affect how and if you serve someone. But this is where you move from influencing someone like a Pharisee did 
or the rest of the world, influencing only the people you like, influencing only the people who support everything that you do, to influencing someone like Jesus did. When you know things about people and you serve no matter what, that's Jesus-style influence. So in this passage, we see that Jesus knew a lot of things. He knew a lot of things and he served anyway. Let's close by looking at those things. Jesus knew that his time on earth was over. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them till the very end. John emphasized heavily that Jesus was living on a heavenly timetable. Without giving you every single reference, in John chapter 2, 7, 8, 12, 13, and 17, he says these phrases, quoting Jesus, My, my time has not yet come. His time had not yet come. His time had not yet come. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Jesus knew that his hour had come, and Father, the hour has come. So John, listening to Jesus, makes this repetitive note that Jesus continued to live on this heavenly timeline. What would you do? What would you do if you knew that your time on earth was coming to an end? You've got three days, or you've got three hours. How are you spending that time. Would you be wiping some dirty feet? (laughs) I don't know that I would. That's gross. Feet are disgusting. But this is the way Jesus chose to say goodbye, by serving. What was the time that's coming? The time of his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. So from our point of view, that looks like suffering, but for him, it meant glory. Anything Jesus knew or another thing Jesus knew is that G- Judas would betray him, but he served anyway. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew who would betray him. How many of you would serve someone in the final hours of your life if you knew that they were going to be the ones directly responsible for your death? How many of you would do it? Honestly. Because I can stand here before you today as an imperfect, sinful person and say, I don't know that I could. I don't know that I could look into someone's eyes if I knew that they were going to persecute me to the point of leading to my death the very next day. I don't know how that, I don't know how I could serve. But if I'm living a life that honors Jesus, that lives after his model of impact and influence, then it's required of me. I have to. Jesus is reclining at the table and he fulfills Psalm 23, 4 to 5. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus sat with Judas at the final supper table. And there's a lot of debate on whether Judas was there the whole time or if he left before communion or what happened. But, uh, but either way, Jesus didn't, in front of everyone, say, it was Judas, it's Judas, shut that guy down, okay, he's gonna, he's, he wants 30 pieces of silver, somebody give him 30 pieces of silver so he just lets me live. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that because he knew this is the way it had to go down. Jesus knew that he was all-powerful and he could change anything. In a snap, he could have had Judas drop dead, and yet he didn't. He didn't. Why did he know that he had that power? Because Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew where he would return, and he served anyway. He knew that he would return to God. So, when you know where you're going, service isn't determined by people's response to you. It's not. 
Because Jesus knew who he was, he knew where he came from, what he had and where he was going, he was a complete master of the situation. As believers, you and I know that we've been born of God, that one day we are going to him. In Christ, we have access to all things, and through the Holy Spirit, we have the power to live it out. So what's stopping us from serving? What Jesus knew helped determine what he did. What you, sh- what you know should determine what you do. Remember, knowing is half the battle. So after today, when you walk out of here, you know the best way to influence is to serve. You know that lost friends need Jesus and they need his life and his words and theirs. You know that without Jesus, people remain destined for a very real place called hell. Mark 10.45 even says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. In a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating Easter. The, the very focal point, the meaning of the whole entire gospel. Are you going to sit on your hands and say, oh, it would be too awkward to invite blank? Ah, they've never said yes, so I'm just, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to drop it. God will work on them in, in his timing. Not, not, he's not going to use me. Or are you going to actually take action? You see, serving breaks down comparison. Comparison that builds up from the comparison game, can destroy the ability to serve, not only yourself, but others as well. When you serve, you break down the barriers of competition that we put amongst each other. These same men began, that Jesus sat with at the Last Supper argued about who was the greatest among them in Luke chapter 22. We need to serve instead of focusing on self. Serving also builds up relationships. He gave them an unforgettable lesson in humility and by his actions rebuked their selfishness and pride. John 13, 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. He'll bless you. So, how do I serve knowing what I know? How do I take what I know, some of it being bad, and actually still serve? That answer is right there, humility. If I know what I know and don't have humility, then I can never influence someone through serving. C.S. Lewis once said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I love that. Because if you're going to bring out the best in others, you have to lead them through humble influence. So to wrap up, bring your best to bring out the best in others. If you want to bring out the best in those around you, whether it's at home, at work, at school, wherever you are, you start by developing those same qualities in yourself If you want loyal friends, then be loyal. If you want to see people love others, then you have to love them first. If you want people to trust you, then you need to prove that you are trustworthy. If you want to see people be compassionate, then you yourself also need to be compassionate. Don't just exist. Invest. Your faith is your platform. Use it. Use it. As Christians, we shouldn't be afraid to let other people know who we are. You have the opportunity to influence others towards that relationship with Jesus that they desperately need. And this is a huge responsibility, but too often we put that focus back on ourselves. It truly is God and the Holy Spirit working through us to change lives. And sometimes that's going to be really hard, but it doesn't give us the excuse to say, well, it's so hard that I can't do it. No. Back in 2018, actor Chris Pratt took the stage at the MTV Movie and Music Awards. MTV 
uh, I would argue like the Kardashians, uh, has not had an overall positive impact, um, especially if we are looking at it from a biblical perspective on our country. But Chris Pratt, to this day, is one of the biggest actors around. Parks and Rec, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Avengers, Jurassic Park, Lego Movie. I hear he's Mario in this new movie that he's coming out, which is weird because I don't think he's Italian. Um, <clears throat> you may or may not like his movies, but that doesn't change the fact that millions of people came to know his name. He makes millions of dollars, he's super famous, and he could choose to do pretty much whatever he wants. He's made it in the the American dream sense, he has made it. Why should he care what other people think about him? And yet at this awards ceremony, he chose to use his platform in a way that surprised many people. He read his speech and gave nine points. Now I'm not giving all nine because one of them talked about dog poop. Um, <laughs> but most of the points were related to his faith. He said, you have a soul be careful with it. Don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector. If you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, so don't wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. God is real. God loves you. And God wants the best for you. Believe that. Why? Because I do. He's living out that model that we just talked about. Learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And he finished by saying, nobody's perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are, but you're not. You're imperfect, and you always will be, but there's a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you can, earn, or you can have grace. Grace is a gift. Like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with someone else's blood, Jesus is. Don't forget that, and don't take it for granted. When you use your platform to glorify God, it helps more than just you. Imagine the number of people that were impacted by Chris Pratt's speech. Now, is he perfect? Absolutely not. Is his language you know, up to par for what biblical standards are? No. Uh, are some of the movies that he acted in or will continue to act in probably still pretty risque, pushing the, the line? Yeah, absolutely. But it didn't change the fact that he knows I am imperfect and I will still try and use my platform to lead people to Jesus. So will you be a fisherman or will you be the fish? I ask this as we head into communion because I, I want you to consider, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I, I still do not believe in God or I still cannot just, I, the concept of Jesus dying 2,000 years ago on a cross and then this weird rock being rolled in front of the tomb and like bodies disappearing and people following and touching hands and feet and I, it's just not, it doesn't click, it doesn't make sense. How does that impact me? Maybe, just maybe, this morning, you are in the position where you are the fish. And you need to take a bite of the hook. You need to be brought in. You need to get closer to the fisherman, Jesus. Or maybe you are a fisherman, whether you are still using your Mickey Mouse pole or you're an experienced bait caster out in the open ocean hauling you know, big fish. Are you actually going to use the pole that God's given you, the influence, that, the platform that you have in your life? Or are you going to say, nah, I'm just going to enjoy the boat. I'm just going to enjoy the, the shoreline because this is nice, this is safe, and I'm good here. That, that fish that I catch might pull me in. 
consider that as we head into communion. As we do, uh, I'm going to pray, and then a, a video is going to play on the screen. And the key, um, the key message in the video is a question. Do you believe? Do you believe in, in what God has done for us? Do you believe that you can have influence? Do you believe in what we're doing here today? After it's done playing, we'll move to one of the stations around the room. We've got gluten-free communion up here on the stage if you need that. Um, another one back by the camera. Uh, but then there's stations all around the room. After that video is done, go receive communion as music plays and consider any one of the questions that we've asked today. Will you be the fisherman or the fish? Do you believe? What time? Where is your influence? What is, what's the next step that you need to take? Let's pray. God, we thank you for impacting us and for giving us platforms that we can use to impact others. I pray that with the knowledge we have, we would not only believe for ourselves, but that we would share that belief with others and that you would work on the hearts and minds of those we love, those we care about, and those we'll never meet to bring them home to you. Just as those who followed you stood at the tomb of Lazarus, you ask us, do you believe? As we battle and rage against our sick bodies, as our lives seem a hopeless trail of messes and mistakes, you ask us, do you believe? As our finances crumble like old stone, as our hopes and dreams are dashed on the sharp rocks of reality, you ask us, do you believe? As we stand at the graves of loved ones, as we watch our own days pass away like mist, you ask us, do you believe? Yes, Lord, we believe. Forgive our moments of unbelief, but we know you are the resurrection and the life. In you, we will live even after we die. We believe, Lord, that we will see your glory. Amen. If you need uh, to pray with somebody today, we will have someone up front. Um, if you'd like to hang around and talk to somebody, go ahead and do that. Um, and again, we are just so thankful, grateful that, uh, that you were here with us this morning. Uh, before I turn you loose, again, flipped service, I've got a couple quick announcements for you. So um, just so you know, in our, our weekend update uh, that goes out every Friday or Saturday, depending on the week, uh, we get a, a long list of everything that's going on in the life of our church. First thing that you'll notice up there is that registration is closing for uh, Quest Small Group Guides. Maybe today was the prompting you needed to be the fisherman, to be the fisherman, or be the fish. Get caught by Quest. If you have the opportunity to, to serve in that role, um, it will change not just the lives of those kids, but yours as well. So make sure that you at least consider that. All we're asking in the link today or at the welcome desk is that you consider, just consider um, making an impact or having an influence in that way. The next thing 
is for our parents' night out. Registration ends for that tomorrow. Remember that this is a night, a Friday night, March 31st, from 5 to 8, that we are offering parents in the community. They don't have to go to Southfield. Uh, 5 to 8 p.m., where we are giving essentially a night of free babysitting so that parents can go out, enjoy some time together. And we've already seen some stories that it's having uh, an impact in ways that we could not have possibly imagined. So if you know somebody who needs a break, somebody who needs to breathe, whether that's parents, grandparents, whomever, know that they need to be registered by, for that through our website by tomorrow. And the only reason we need to know who's coming is so that we can be ready with the, the right amount of leaders and things like that. So it's going to be an amazing night. But, so if you have been thinking about that, uh, offering that to someone, then uh, make sure that they know that they need to get registered for tomorrow or by tomorrow. We have a couple different groups going on that you can still join right now. We've got Guys Basketball, Bananas Play Group, and then a really, really cool uh, grandparenting group that meets, it meets three times. And you don't, if, per my understanding, you don't even need to go to all three. Um, but they're really, really cool chances to, to continue what we've been doing. I know all of our journey groups just wrapped with uh, Dive Deeper. So continue making that influence or allowing yourself to be influenced in these, these amazing ways that Southfield has to offer. And the last thing that I'll say is about Green Lake. Uh, Green Lake registration is still open. We have limited space remaining because we only have so much space in our vans. I've had people ask before, like, why don't you open it up to the world? That'd be amazing if we had all the drivers and, you know, if we had a million vans and enough space at Green Lake to, um, to have that capacity. So if you've been thinking about it, get signed up. Um, one other opportunity that I want to throw your way, if you're unable to, um, to go or if you're unable to, maybe you don't have kids of that age, your grandparents, and you want to impact the lives of a kid through Green Lake, which is our annual work slash play trip that we take up to Green Lake Conference Center, uh, we are looking for donations. Unlike last year, where we asked for all the food donations, we realized that that was kind of a a mess because we just packed a trailer full of stuff. And then when we came home, we st you guys were so good at donating the food that we came home with like a third of what we brought. Uh, so rather than doing that, we are uh, working with uh, uh, some local places up in Ripon, Wisconsin to just buy what we need. So if you were a donator of all those Capri Suns last year or all the Kind Bars or whatever, um, this year we're, we're looking for, for uh, monetary donations. So if you can help in that way, it's fantastic. Through the app, you actually have to mark benevolence uh, instead of doing the general fund or the building fund. So you can do it through the app. Or if you're still writing a physical check, just make sure you write a note on there that it's for Green Lake. Uh, the other way that that money is used is to help kids go. Uh, without sharing too many details of a story I learned about on Wednesday, we have some kids who have been coming to uh, one of our groups who have been, uh, they're, they're children of divorce. And divorce is always a, a messy, tough situation, especially for the kids. And these kids really, we have the ability to influence them and impact them in incredible ways. But, um, but the parent um, of the kids just said, hey, I, I don't have the ability to send or to pay for all three of my kids right now with having to, because they're still dealing with legal things and they're still trying to figure out, you know, what does life look like now? Um, how, do, how do we make ends meet? Um, sending, paying for three kids is a really tough spot to be in. So just so you know, our registration is $250 for a week, which is crazy because I'm telling you there's a basketball camp in our area that's two days, no stay, no food, and it's 500 bucks that people are willing to shell out. So this is a steal. <laughs> um, so if, if you'd be willing to, to donate all of or part of a scholarship or just donate towards our, 
our food fund, uh, that'd be super appreciated. And it, it means a lot because that's a way that you can be a fisherman. That's a way that without even being in the room, without being on the trip, you can have an influence for God. But thank you guys again so much for, for being here, and we hope that you have an amazing week. See you later.